0: Good morning. How we doing? Happy New Year. Yeah, I, I love last week and this week. I am team one, and it is the right team, to be clear, because it's all about the gospel, see? Because team one, you're going, I look back and I say, look at what God did, all that he accomplished, and all the ways we fell short, and look forward. God help us with the future, and I feel like Getting a moment where we get to have a start, we can say that's just like the gospel, that I got a new beginning in Jesus Christ, and the old is gone and the new has come. So you may not like it being said in New Year's, but I still like the idea that we do it. So uh, today we're going to look forward. Uh, We look back. Last week had so much to thank God for, do have so much to thank God for as a church, but now we want to move forward and look forward to what He has for us and uh, what we want to do as a church together. The bulk of our time this morning is going to be around the passage that Donald just read, Matthew 28, 16 to 20, and how it informs our mission at Doxa and what we hope God will be doing and working in and through us all year long. But before I do that, I just want to stop and remind us of the broader vision of why we exist as a church. Uh, We are called Doxa. The word is a Greek word for glory. That you read it, When you read the New Testament, uh, that whenever you see the word glory, it's the, the English translation of the Greek word doxa. The word glory means the full revelation of something, the, the reality of a thing uh, that you're able to see or experience. And so that's why we named ourselves doxa, because we want to be the means by which God will make his glory known throughout the world, wherever we go, where we live, work, learn, and play. We believe that that's what he's called us to be as his church. Uh, and so the, one of the key passages that we draw from is Habakkuk 2.14, where the prophet says that there, there will be a day when the knowledge of, when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now we, we know that the fullness of the glory of God was revealed in who? Jesus Christ. He is the the fullness of the deity in bodily form. If we've seen him, we've seen the father, Jesus said. He is the display of the, the glory of God in flesh, the word becoming flesh, dwelling amongst us. And then Jesus ascended to heaven right after he gave this commission and sent his spirit to come dwell in his people so that they could become the means by which God makes his glory known through them, that the Spirit, like he did when, he, when the Spirit came into the temple in the Old Testament to fill it with the Shekinah glory of God, now the Spirit of God comes into those who've been forgiven of their sins, cleansed by the shed blood of Christ on the cross, so that they might become a holy temple in which God, by his Spirit, dwells. Therefore, we become, as First Peter said, the, the living stones of this temple and the very temple of the living God, which he is dwelling in and working through. So we believe Jesus, when he ascended and sent the Spirit, he sent the Spirit to bring about the glory of God through everyday people in everyday life. Paul says it this way in Colossians 1.27, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It's the hope of people seeing what God's like, hearing what God is like, and that's why we called ourselves Doxa. We want to be a people who are a display people for the glory of God and a declarative people who tell people who Jesus is. That's who we believe we're called to be. And it's our desire that in the Puget Sound, there will be a day when every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed through his people, the church. That's our hope, that you wouldn't be able to get through a day living in the Puget Sound without meeting Jesus. Whether or not you you receive him or acknowledge him or uh, worship him or follow him, that's up to the Lord. We can't change hearts. But we want to do everything in our power to obey God's command to be the kind of people who will live in such a way that the world can see and hear about Jesus through us. That's our hope. Now, we know that can't happen by Doxa church alone. We realize this is the call of the church in the Puget Sound. Every church that loves and worships Jesus, that holds faithfully to his word and wants to obey his commission of making disciples and make disciples, all of us share the same common call and that is to be a people for God's glory everywhere we go. Now, we call the vision of doing that together with all the churches in this region, Saturate the Sound. We want to see the Puget Sound saturated with the glory of God through his people, the church. We're presently working with several churches to unite together in this region to be about that same vision for the glory of God in the greater Puget Sound. So be praying for that. You'll be hearing a lot more about what that means, what that looks like. I'll try to give you reports periodically. As you know, we have people come and preach from other churches, so you can meet some of these other pastors, and we can affirm that we're part of one church, that this isn't our thing, this is Jesus's thing. So we wanna keep working apart as part of one church in the greater Puget Sound together. But we do have a role. Doxa does have a part to play. We do want to take responsibility for what God called us to. We are called to obey Jesus' command to make disciples who make disciples. Okay? That's, that's what we're committed to. That is our mission. Our mission at Doxa, as we state it, is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples together in the everyday stuff of life. I want to say that again. It should be up on the screen. Our mission is to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples together in the everyday stuff of life. And I want to stay on the screen just a, a bit. I want you to just look at, there's, there's three parts there. Be disciples of Jesus. This is about you growing in your love and submission to Jesus Christ. Right? About you becoming more like Jesus yourself. Okay? We'll come around that a little bit more in a moment. Second, we believe that we're called to not just be disciples of Jesus, but to obey Jesus by making disciples together. Uh, and I'll unpack that more, but we, we don't do this alone. We do this in community. We do this alongside of each other uh, and in what we call missional communities. And we believe it's meant to be done in the everyday stuff of life, that it's not just an event. It's not just a weekly meeting. This is an all of life thing, okay? To be clear, Doxa, I wanna make sure we hear this. Doxa Church is not this building. Can okay, and I know we can get really loose with our language and go, man, you know, are you going to Doxa and what you mean is coming to this building? Or are we going to church? I wanna be clear, Doxa Church is not this event. Like, man, I really love Doxa and you're referring to Sunday. Please, let's realize this is a part of what we do together, but this is not the church. We are the church, The event isn't the church. The staff isn't the church. The elders aren't the church. The people of God are the church. And I know you hear me say this a lot, and you're going, yeah, Jeff, I know it's a broken record. We don't go to church. We are the church. But I'm gonna tell you, you will not really know that fully until you start living it. And I'm gonna keep saying it until we're really living it until we realize that it's important to gather because we get reminded of what Jesus has done, we get equipped for it, we get sent out for it, but what we're doing all week long is so important. It's the means by which God wants the world to know about Jesus. It's through your, your work, through your, your working with your neighbors, it's, it's through your recreational activities, it's through the stuff your kids are doing, it's at your schools, at your college. Like that's where the church is meant to be on mission because if we're expecting everybody to show up in this building, it's not gonna happen. Okay, let's be clear. We live in probably the most antagonist area in the country when it comes to people thinking about Jesus and the church. They aren't really wanting to come here, okay? So if you're thinking, man, I'll just, they'll all just show up. Probably not gonna happen. If you build it, they won't come, okay? God is sending you to where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play, to to be his people, to be his church, and if we don't really get that, if you go like, Jeff, I know you say that all the time, but what I'm about to teach, you have to really embrace the concept that you are the church if you're gonna actually live out what I'm gonna talk about. That's really, really important. And, and I wanna say it this way. When I, when I started the church in Tacoma, uh, it was called Soma. I apologize for the rhyming nature of those names. Uh, but uh, when we started, I remember early on, people would come to me and say, you know, Jeff, one thing I really don't like about Soma or one thing I really love about SOMA, and I'd stop him and I'd say, can I encourage you to change your language? I want you to say, one thing I love about us, or one thing I don't like about us, is dot, dot, dot. And the only people who get to say, one thing I don't like about DOXA, or one thing I really like about DOXA, are people who aren't yet DOXA. So if you're a guest here and you're struggling, you're going, man, I, you guys don't seem very welcoming or you, you know, there's something wrong with the way you, you, you know, start these services, that passing the peace thing that Donald did, I can't stand it, whatever. You know, I like it, by the way. But if you're a visitor, that's fine. But if you're a part of this church, if you're a member of this church especially, please, this is your church. She is the bride of Christ of which you belong to and I want you to take ownership for her in this local expression, okay? So this is your mission, This isn't my mission, this is our mission. This isn't my church, this is our church. And I know we got a long way to go for some of you to feel that way, but I just want you to know, that's the drumbeat we're gonna keep beating. Take ownership for the church that you are a part of, because it's your church. She is your church, okay? Second, I wanna make sure that you understand that our vision is to see every single member of Doxa Church making disciples. I wanna see every member of our church making disciples. In order to really understand that, it's important for you to understand the role that the staff and the elders of Doxa Church play here. I want to make sure you understand that we are not here to do the ministry, uh, even though we will minister. We are here to equip the ministers. I want to read Ephesians 4. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. If you like to underline your Bibles or highlight, you take on your app and highlight there, do it. The the key there is that we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul's saying, the goal here is that God has given people to the church to equip who for the work of ministry? Who are the saints? Us. Just just say that to yourself. I'm Saint Tim, Saint Timothy, Saint Joel, Saint Krista, Saint Josh, Saint Kirby. I can't see the rest of you all that well, so. Saint Steve. Have you ever thought of yourself as a saint? Some of you might have grown up Catholic and go, no, not until they tell you you're a saint. Well, the Bible tells you you're a saint if you're in Christ. You're a holy one of God. You're set apart for his work. And the job that he gives to pastors and evangelists and prophets and apostles and teachers is, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry which is all of us. Now, we keep reading, he goes on, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is, this is called maturity. This is, this is why we're working hard to give you theological training to come alongside you and equip you because we want all members of our church to be strong in their ability to stand up on what is true and to live a life that displays what God is like. We want this for every member of Doxa Church. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That's another way of saying, speaking the truth in love is another way of saying, speaking the truths of Jesus to one another so we build everybody up into Jesus. We call that gospel fluency around here. We want everyone to grow in gospel fluency, the ability to speak the truths of Jesus into the everyday stuff of life. Then he goes on, from whom the whole body, That's from whom Jesus, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What is Paul saying there? Paul's saying, a few of us have been given to equip all of us, so all of us can equip everyone. That's the point. That. Every member of the body of Christ is meant to play their role, not just in ministry, but also in equipping ministers. That at some point, all of you who are a part of Docs at church, we want you all to be able to say, I know who I am, I know the gift I am to this church, and I know how God has given me this church not only to do ministry, but to equip more ministers. That's what we want for every one of you. So that all of us grow up in a maturity and our church becomes everything it was meant to be. If the only way you get tri- equipped is by coming to this or Sunday school, we've failed. Okay, that's where we're at right now. But if in five years from now or 10 years from now, you still are depending on a few people to equip you for everything, then we've failed as a church. Our job is to equip everyone so everybody can learn how to equip each other. That's what we're after, okay? Now, we'll always have... Probably gatherings like this because it's a great time for us to be reminded, to see the gifts being used, to keep reminding ourselves that we're all the church, we're all called to go out on mission, so we probably won't stop doing this, just to be clear, but hopefully there's more diversity of who's doing this in all of the forms of our church's life, okay? And we'll come back to that in a minute. So then what are we called to do? What is, if we're going to equip each other in ministry, fundamentally, it comes down to the specific command of Jesus, make disciples of all nations, that's, that is the, you want to talk about, like, you know, Vince Lombardi gives the speech about this is a football, right? Some of you who like football, we're kind of sad right now because we aren't watching anybody play right now, except for people we don't want to win. Uh, but, but, you know, he, he had that speech, and he'd say he, every single season, no matter how many, these are professional players, this is a football. You're going to hear me over and over and over again say, this is Jesus' commission To the church. Make disciples of all nations. You're gonna hear it over and over and over again because we forget and we think it's all about us if we're not careful. So that's our job to make disciples. Now, I wanna be clear, our success is not measured by how great our Sunday gatherings are, nor how full they are, okay? I wanna make that really clear. We, we can have great Sunday events, but if it doesn't lead to mobilizing disciples who make disciples, we've failed, if, if Christmas Eve's are, our services are packed and Easter services are packed, but we don't have disciples who can make disciples, we've failed. We're not here just to run this. Jesus did not live his life, die the horrible death he went through on the cross for our sins, rise again on the third day so that we could have an hour and a half on Sunday. He did it so we could be a people set apart for his purposes in the world and that the world might know the love of God the Father through us. That's why he did it. It's, it's way more than this. We're, we love, I love getting together with you, family. I love using my gift. I hope it encourages you. I love learning from Justin and others, but I'm just telling you, if this is all it is, we have fallen far short from what God has intended to accomplish through Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, well, I hope that you hear that and that you realize that's what we're gonna get after. So that's what we're gonna talk about. How do we do this? What does it look like? And the thing I want you to ask Today and the next three weeks is what will you own? What will you own? I know last year I asked this question. So it's really, for a lot of us, we, we tend to, to be uh, like renters if we're not careful. You know, renters tend to like live in someone's house but don't take care of it like it's theirs. And if, we, if we're not careful, we'll do that with the church. We'll, just, we'll attend it and then we'll leave thinking, man, those are great services they put on for us. And then we'll never embrace the reality that it's our, we are the church. So I want to ask you, what are you going to own in regards to two things? One, being a disciple, your own discipleship. This year, what are you going to own in terms of your own discipleship? Second, what are you going to own in regard to others' discipleship, making disciples together? Okay, those are the two things. You've got the next few weeks to ask that question. At the end of these of our January series, we're gonna ask you to identify what you're gonna own for yourself and what you're gonna own for others. Your own discipleship and the discipleship of others. Okay, those of you who are members. And anybody else, of course, but I just want you to know, I'm really pressing into those who are committed docs. If you're a guest, by the way, you're getting to hear the inside uh, vision of why we're here and what we're about. Okay, and my hope is that if you don't know Jesus today, you might realize, Uh, that he gave his life for you on the cross, not only to forgive you your sins, but to change your life forever. And if you already know him and are trying to figure out if this is the church you wanna be a part of, just know if you wanna join a church where you're not gonna be called to the mission and you're gonna just be allowed to sit and watch, this isn't the church for you. I wanna be really clear about that. Now, we'll give you all the time you need to get there, but I want you to know that our call is to equip you for the work of ministry, and we're gonna be very faithful to work hard at that with God's help, okay? Got it? All right, so what, what is a disciple? Donald read the passage in, in uh, Matthew 28 today uh, that I just want to unpack a little bit. First of all, a disciple worships Jesus. A disciple of Jesus worships Jesus. Some of you might go, yeah, I know, I heard that, but just stay with me a little bit. Notice notice what happens? These disciples go to the mountain Jesus directed them to go to and it says they worshiped him but some doubted. Now, I want you to just put yourself into their shoes. You've been with Jesus for about three years. You've watched him preach. You've seen him heal the sick. You've seen him enable lame lame people to walk. You've watched him cast out demons. You've seen him even raise a dead person well I mean, you watched you were in the middle of the storm and he calmed the storm while you were in the boat. You watched him walk on water and call Peter to walk out on water. Then you saw him betrayed by one of your own, taken into captivity, beaten, and eventually hung on a cross where he died. And then you watched a resurrected Jesus walking around eating hanging out, showing himself to more than 500 people with a new resurrection body. And then Jesus directs you to meet him at this mountain where he's gonna tell you what's gonna happen next. And you you realize who he is, you see who he is, you get down and you worship him. By the way, if anybody ever tells you that they didn't think he was God, that's a really good passage to take them to because no Jewish person would ever bow down and worship any man unless they believed he was God. Okay, but they get down, they worship him, And it says, but some doubted. After all of that, you would think there would be zero doubt in these disciples. Now, that's very encouraging and informative. Encouraging because it says, you and I are in good company if you doubt. I mean, if they're doubting after all that, I take great courage and hope in realizing I struggle with doubt too. I tell my kids all the time when they tell me about their doubts in terms of struggling to believe these things, I say, man, that's a good sign that you doubt because it means that you have faith enough to say it out loud. And that you're actually pressing in to wanting to know more, to wanting to believe more, to wanting to wrestle with something at a real significant level. People who never doubt, I wonder, have they really wrestled with their faith? But they doubt it. And that's very encouraging for all of you in the room because I would bet you would say, thank God I'm not alone. Second, it's informative because it tells us that discipleship is not a program. It's not a curriculum. It's not something you begin and then you end. And once you've done the curriculum, or you've done the program, or you've done the training, now you're discipled because they've been with Jesus for over three years and they're still not done. They're still struggling with doubt. They're still not finished. In fact, Jesus says he's gonna send his spirit in John 14, 15, and 16 so that the spirit can keep teaching them, keep directing them, keep convicting them of their sin and their unbelief. So they're not done. And that, that's really important for us to get because if we think that you're gonna go through 10 weeks of Sunday school or the, the mission community pilot group that's starting tonight or any other program that we might put together and you think I went through it, now I'm discipled, you've misunderstood discipleship. Discipleship is the ongoing process of increasingly submitting all of life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is a lifelong venture. It does not end until he returns or you die. That's it. And those of you who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you're going a hearty amen right now. Because you're going, I have so far to go. You know, the more that I know Jesus, the more that I know God, the more that I know I'm really not like him and I've got a long way to go. So it's an ongoing process. And so here's what I want you to each do as you think about this year. I want you to just start asking of your life, where am I not presently submitted to Jesus? Because if discipleship is bringing myself under the lordship of Christ and and having all areas of my life submitted to him, then I would bet there's areas of your life right now that aren't. Where are you not presently submitted to him? And what does he want you to do about that? And in what ways does he want you to grow spiritually in your relationship with Jesus and with others? One of our hopes for 2018 is that every member of Doxa Church will ask those questions of themselves and that they will, with our help, develop a discipleship plan to address those areas of their life that need to be changed. One of the reasons why we're planning on preaching through the Sermon on the Mount this year, we're gonna take a whole year to preach through the Sermon on the Mount, is because it's the longest sermon Jesus gave. And if we're gonna take seriously what Jesus said, and that is teach them to obey everything I commanded you, we probably should spend a lot of time saying, what did he command? What does this life look like? How do we show the kingdom of God to the world through our lives? And so we're gonna spend a lot of time really asking that question so we can take seriously what it means to be a disciple who's committed to obey all of Jesus's commands. And I would bet that through that series, you're gonna keep readjusting your discipleship plan. You're going to say, okay, now there's another area I didn't know about, and here's another area I didn't know about, and I need some help. Will somebody help me work through that? And that's where Sunday school will be a key. That's where missional communities are a key. That's where other things that we'll provide will be a key. But we want you to move forward in taking seriously your discipleship. Stop right now and just ask. I want you to ask God's Spirit, God, what do you want me to grow in this year? What do you want me to grow in this year? Where or what do I need to submit to Jesus? Where in my life am I not submitted? Or what in my life needs to come under his authority? It hasn't yet. And then what do you want me to do? What do you want me to own in regard to my own discipleship this year? Maybe some of you want to grow in reading your Bibles more consistently or reading through it because you've never read through your whole Bible. Maybe it's you need to grow in prayer some of you, maybe it's opening up your life and home through hospitality. Maybe some of you need to grow in giving. You haven't yet started giving to the church and that's something that you feel called to do as you're a part of this church. We, we believe around here that the Old Testament tithe, which was 10% of your income, was uh, what the Old Testament did. We don't believe it's required of us today, but we do believe it was a tutor teaching you how to be generous. And so all of our leaders commit to that, just so you know. Um, but I'd love for you to pray through what you believe God's calling you to to give. If you've never done that, take that seriously. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, okay? Maybe that's not it. Maybe it's relationships God's calling you to grow. And I'll, I'll be honest, for me, the Lord's showing me that after 25 years of marriage, which I'll be celebrating 25 years in March, isn't that awesome? You can Clap. that I'm not a very good husband. (laughs) Crazy. It's like, I have so much, so much to do in terms of growing as a a husband who loves my wife better. There's things I'm coming to be aware of that I've never seen in my life before that I'm just seeing now. That's kind of crazy. And yet, God's opening my eyes to areas where I need to love my wife differently and be more present and more emotionally engaged. There's a lot of stuff I need to address this year in how I love my wife like Christ did the church. That's one that's gonna be in front of me. Maybe that's for some of you, I don't know. But I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to direct you to what he wants you to take seriously in your own development and growth. And like I said, our hope is that every Doxum member has a discipleship plan that you take very seriously as you continue to update, what does it look like for me to grow in Christ-likeness? The second thing, not only is a disciple one who worships Jesus, but a disciple is one who's being changed by Jesus, being changed by Jesus. Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A disciple of Jesus has a brand new identity, Paul says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And our baptism is a, is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. When we go into the water of baptism, next week we have a guy who's gonna get baptized who uh, plays major league baseball. And so he, he came to me, Last month, and said, "Hey, I know I've got to be. I got to obey Jesus. I've never been baptized. I want to get baptized. I want to do it before I go to spring training. Could we, could we get, could we set a time up where I could do that?" I'm like, "I'm never going to close those waters off if someone wants to get baptized." So I said, "Let's try to do it on the 14th." Just like I said for you guys too, uh, if you want to get baptized, Justin said it. He, he actually, they did get it wrong. It is get, but he was right. Donald was wrong. Just. We're keeping track here of scores so you just know. Um, it is get baptized. You got to say get baptized to uh, those numbers. Uh, it, it wasn't Donald's fault. I just like give him a hard time. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, so get baptized to 24587. I guess you both were wrong. Um, but he's going to get in the water of baptism. And when we go under the water, Paul says we are, we are one with Christ in his death. We are unified with him in his death, meaning all of our sin was put on Jesus at the cross. Past, present, and future sin was paid for once and for all by Jesus, and then it was buried in the grave. Never to come up against you again. Doesn't, God's not gonna use your sin against you to condemn you, to tell you, like, like you you don't deserve to be with them? If you are in Christ, your sin was put on Christ, Jesus buried it. That's really good news. And so when we go underwater, we're saying, my old life is done, my sin is buried, I'm raised with Christ now. When we come out of the water, we're not just united, united in his death, we're united in his resurrection. We have a new life. We have new power, we have new abilities. There's some of you in the room who are like, wondering why are some of these people so loving and gracious and kind and, and seem like they have a power from another, another source. That's because they have the spirit of God that raised Jesus in the, from the dead in their life giving them new life. That's what we get. And that we get a new name. We're baptized in the name of Father, name of Son, name of Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that your new identity is in God and all he has done in Christ Jesus. Throughout the Bible, whenever someone gets a new name, it's God saying, this is what is true of you because I said it. And this is what you're to do now because of who I made you to be. And so when you're baptized in the name of the Father, what, what, what we're saying is you're dearly loved by God the Father. You're his own children. There is nothing that can separate you from his love because of Christ Jesus. And so therefore you not only are full of love and continue to be full of love as the Spirit pours the love of God into your hearts, but you get to go out with the love of Christ and love others in the way he loved you. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's to be a child of God. It's to be dearly loved. It's to walk out and love others in the way you were loved. And we're baptized in the name of the Son because he was the king. He is the king of kings. And he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And he laid down his life for us and served us at the highest cost. And he did that so that we now, as servants of our king, Jesus, as servants of Christ, we now go and serve others as an extension of Jesus' service to them. He says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So when we bow the knee to Jesus, it's through acts of service to others. We don't just sing songs. We go out and give our lives to people who desperately need to meet Jesus in tangible acts of service. So we're baptized in the name of the Son, and we're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit because we are now sent in the same way Jesus was sent. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have all the same power that Jesus had to do all the work Jesus did. That's amazing. It means you and I are sent to love like family, to serve as servants of Christ, and to share and proclaim the good news of the gospel with the power and boldness of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. That's our new identity. Our baptism is a way of saying, this is who you are. Now live in light of who you are. Disciples are changed by Jesus. They're different people and they're being changed, let's be clear. (laughs) Uh, All of you would say, I don't feel like I'm living out my identity. I know, but it's still true of you. It is true of you that you are saints who are children of God, servants of Jesus, missionaries empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we wanna live in light of who we believe we are. In fact, the next three weeks, we're gonna spend one week on each identity. Next week is family, then servant, then missionary, just to spend more time saying, this is what a disciple is. Let's live out our identity. Third, a disciple of Jesus obeys Jesus and teaches others to do the same. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus said at one point, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. In other words, what he's saying is, if you really love me, you'll love what I love. Some of you guys know it's no secret that I don't like playing games that are not very strategic. you like, Bunko? New Year's Eve party? We did, we played Bunko. And the whole time I'm like, I hate this game. Because there's no strategy. You just gotta hope those darn dice land right. I want some more sixes, I want some more sixes? I'm like, this, how do you control this? You know, and and we played another game called Encore and we're singing these songs. And and the whole time I'm just like, I don't like, and it's very obvious to everybody that I'm not having a good time. Okay? And then I I got to play Catan. So that was a Catan. And then I was happy. Because I got to play what I want. And then I got convicted by the Holy Spirit. And that, I only love what I love. And I need to learn to love what others love if I love them. If I love my wife and my kids, I'll love what they love. This is one of the areas I'm growing in right now that I need to grow in. It's learning how to love in a way that I love what others love, not just love what I love. I'm very selfish. I really am. And I'm working through that. I'm not selfish in everything, but in that area, when it comes to games, I'm really selfish. But, I wanna love what they love because I love them. I wanna love what Jesus loves because I love him. I wanna obey Jesus because I love him. And I don't want to just love to obey the commands that I love. I wanna obey every one of his commands because I love him. And I wanna love him in such a way that I don't pick and choose the commands that I love. But I love every command that comes from the mouth of Jesus because I love Jesus. Amen? That's what we want to be as a church. We want to say, there are no commands that we pick and choose. We take all of his commandments and we say, Jesus, we love you. We bow our knee to you and we want to obey everything you commanded. Everything, including making disciples of all nations. We've not done a good job of that here. My desire, my hope is that DOXA would grow in diversity in ministry and leadership at DOXA so we see men and women, young and old, of all races and ethnicities represented in leadership and in every ministry in this church. We want to we obey Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. You know what? This community is surrounded by almost every nation in the world right now. This church better start looking like that. I want to see all men and women, young and old, every single race and ethnicity using their gifts in this church to the fullest potential. And we've got a long way to go. I want to obey him in that. Our elders want to obey him in that. Our staff wants to obey him in that. But we have got a long way to go. And I'm just saying that as a, a statement of repentance that we have got to continue to say, Jesus, we have fallen short of your commands and we want to obey you. We want to obey you fully in every way. Now you might go, well, what's our role in that? I want to encourage you, don't say, well, someone better figure that out. It's our church. We have to figure this out together. I had a Chinese man come up to me after the first gathering and he said, I heard you say that. What are you going to do? And I said, What are you going to do? And he said, Well, I've got a teaching gift. I said, well, we train up teachers. I want you to talk to Justin about how to get trained in teaching. He said, I'd love to maybe help with Sunday school someday. I said, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know, but if you've got a teaching gift, we want to train you. We want you to use your gift at some point in this church. And I said, you have to help us because I don't know how to do this. We together have to do this. Let's do this together. And so I say that to you, all of you, men and women, young and old, teenagers in the room, please hear this. Even younger than teenager, if you're in the room, all of us need to be the church here. Hey, God doesn't look at age. There's no age requirement for being a saint. There's no age requirement for being a disciple. There's no age requirement for being a disciple who makes disciples. and there certainly is no female-male distinctions when it comes to being disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Please hear this: There are no race distinctions in being disciples who make disciples of Jesus. We are calling all of you to take seriously your call to be a disciple who makes disciples in this church. But you've got to help us. We don't know how. We've got some growing to do, family. Would you agree with me? Amen? I was so thankful that already somebody stepped out and said, I wanna, I wanna do something about that. So what are you gonna do? What is God calling you to own? And not only are we called to do it in such a way that we represent the nations that are here in our backyard and all the beauty of all the different people that we have in our church and not yet in our church, but we're also called to do it together. God does not intend for you and I to be disciples who make disciples in isolation. That's why we, we live in community together on mission. We call them missional communities. If you're new to our church, a missional community is a family of servant missionaries sent as disciples who make disciples. That, that's our definition. I just want you to look at that. What All it is is taking our baptismal identity, family, servant, and missionary, father, son, Holy Spirit, and saying we want to live into our identity as disciples who make disciples with a group of people. We don't want to do this alone. And, and really what it is is just people saying, I want, to love, I want to love a group of people like family. We want to learn how to show the kingdom as servants and we want to share Jesus with people who don't know Jesus yet. And missional community comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. They can all look different. So I, I want to correct that because I think some people think, man, it's got to look like, you know, you've got to identify a high school and a football team and whatever it was that I told as an illustration once that somehow became a template. It can be anything. In the earlier service, I met a new couple that's been checking out our church and they said they want to be a part of DOXA and they're part of the, the missional community work that's being done at Young Life, uh, Lake Washington High School. And just a, f- a few weeks ago, and I know, Lyra and AJ are part of that, and they're doing great work. You guys are doing great work with our students, and some of them are in the room probably, and Danny as well is here, and I know there's probably others, and it was fun to see them and meet them, and they said, we want to make this our church. Uh, We've been coming for a while. I got to introduce myself, and then, then they started to say, you know, part of the reason why this is going to be our church is because... This church is committed to really supporting what's going on with Young Life at Lake Washington High School and we're part of this community uh, with AJ and Lyra. And I said, oh yeah, I know that one. And I said, they didn't even know they were a missional community, they are. And I told them they need to just step into the reality of what they're actually doing is missional community because they're loving each other like family. They're serving in very tangible ways by giving their time to all these kids and they're sharing the gospel as missionaries and they get to see kids come to faith and they did get to see some baptized last year. I said, that's a missional community. You're part of one already. And they're just like, yeah. I was <laughs> like, okay. Then I met with a businessman a few weeks ago and he said, man, I'd love to be a part of more of what Docs is doing, but I just, Jeff, I travel. Sometimes my office is, you know, in another city. I can't always be here, but I really feel called to coming around a lot of these younger tech guys that are, I can see are coming to our church and to our community because of all that's happening here. And man, my heart would just be to pour into them, mentor them. Uh, help them learn how to be good husbands and good fathers someday and do their work really well and maybe open doors for them to help them get opportunities in this, this tech world that we're in. And I said, well, well, what if you just, you and a few others just started loving each other like family in that world and, and you started seeing yourself as a servant to serve what they're working through and, and then you were willing to share with Jesus with them when you get opportunity. He's like, I'd love to do that. I go, well, that's what a missional community does. How about we help you form a missional community to that? It's like, that would count? I go, yeah. I said, think, think of it this way. Think, think of a, our church as like an iPad and the operating system is the gospel and the apps are mission of communities. Create your own. You're the disciples who are sent to make disciples who make disciples. If we somehow create a template that's a one-size-fits-all program that very few people can actually be involved in and get engaged in, we're never gonna equip this church to be on mission. Our job is to help you find out what God's calling you to do, to not do it alone, to do it in light of your baptismal identity, to make sure the gospel is at the center and the mission is at the heart. That's what we're called to do. And I want to call all of you to ask, what will I own in that? Not only what am I going to own in my personal discipleship, but what am I going to own in our collective discipleship? That I'm not going to be alone. We're going to be a part of a community on mission in some way or another. And it could be your neighborhood, It could be the college students that are from Japan, which some of us are looking at doing. It's like, how do we reach out to the Japanese students that are here that wanna just learn how to speak English and have a family around them that will care for them and love them, because we have a church in Tokyo that we help plant that they're gonna go back to? I mean, I don't know. Pray and ask God what he's calling you to do. But don't just sit there on a seat every Sunday for the next year and do nothing. Okay? Amen. This is our church. This is your church, if you're a member, if you're a part of this. We really want you to take seriously what God's called you to do. And maybe you're gonna say, maybe I wanna start a new missional community. Well, join our pilot group. In fact, you could still join tonight. You start at 4.30. If you didn't sign up, we're still gonna let you join. But you gotta commit to the next eight weeks. You can't just come and then leave. So maybe you need to show up tonight and join a missional community group through our pilot program. Maybe you need to lead one this next year because you've been sitting back waiting, but it's time for you to lead. Or maybe you need a volunteer to help others lead one. I don't know. But I want to encourage you be a disciple who makes disciples together. And one of our hopes, especially one of my hopes, I'll be honest, is that every single missional community will have some non believing people, people who don't yet know how good Jesus is in their life, that they'll commit to pray for regularly, that they'll commit to love, that they'll commit to serve and they'll commit to share Jesus with so that we could see every missional community baptize at least one person this year. That would be my hope. Wouldn't it be great if we went from 38 missional communities to 50 missional communities and all 50 of those missional communities got to at least get in the water of baptism at least once this year with somebody that they led to Christ? Would you like that? I would. I mean, I don't wanna just sit here and talk about stuff. I wanna actually be faithful to obey Jesus and I wanna see our world changed because of Jesus' grace and love. So I know that's a hope. I know that we can't control that. There's actually been some internal discussion on our team about goals and and it's been a really good discussion. I'll be honest, at times I get frustrated because I like to set goals but it's been a, a good kind of tension that we're feeling and part of the tension was how can you set goals for something God has to do? Right? How can you say one of our goals is 50 baptisms when you can't change a heart? I'm like, good point. We can't change a heart. So I'll just change, I'll just say it's not a goal, but it is my hope. It's my hope that we would see at least 50 people come to know Jesus this year and get in the waters of baptism. See, because we could do this, we could say, we're not going to ever say out loud what we really hope for, we'll just hope it happens but I'd rather say what I hope for and then make goals to actually work toward it. Make sense? Kind of like, God, would you do this? We'd love for you to do it. We'd get on our knees and pray that you'd do it. We'll beg you to do it. And then you tell us what to do so that we'll be disciplined, diligent people trusting in a God who can do the impossible. But I regularly will hear people say, God will never call you to do something you can't do. And I always say, you've not read the Bible because God always calls his people to do things that require him working in such a way that nobody could take credit for it. I want to be on the other side of this year and on the, the, the New Year's Eve or New Year's, whichever, I'm not sure if it's New Year's Day or when it is, but when we have the looking back service that we'll look back and we'll go, only God could have done that. But we devoted ourselves in prayer, and we got, uh, we got our hands dirty in mission, and we gave our lives for people in service, and we were not ashamed to proclaim the name of Jesus. We proclaimed them as missionaries. We served as servants, and we loved them like family, and God saved people. God changed hearts. We saw people get into the waters of baptism. We can't take credit for that, but we can sure say, thank you, God, we got to participate in your divine work. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a church that says our hopes are too big for us to accomplish, but our goals will accompany it in such a way that we can take responsibility and do something about it. Does that sound good? Is that the kind of church you want to be a part of? Yeah. That's what I want to be a part of. So let me just share, as, just to end, some of my hopes, some of our hopes for 2018 that I want you to pr- pray about. I want you to ask God to move One, that we would grow significantly diverse in our leadership and ministries. I want to be on the other end of this year and go, man, we took some major steps in becoming a much more diverse church. Men and women, ethnicities and races, young and old. I want more of our younger people in this church taking responsibility for being this church. Second, that every member would have a discipleship plan and grow as a disciple of Jesus. That they could point to something they know changed in their life because of the work of Jesus in their life this year. That every member of our church is in a missional community working out their baptismal identity. My hope would be that that would lead to 50 missional communities minimally and that we would see minimally 50 people get baptized because of their work. But to accomplish this, I believe some of the very disciplined, diligent work we are going to have to do as a church is actively pray for identify, recruit, and develop men and women, young and old, from all nations in our own backyard. We've got to get serious about developing our people and the people in this region. Second, we've got to provide and we will, assessment tools for you to figure out what do you need to work on this year, provide training to help you grow in your spiritual development, and provide people to come alongside you to help you do that. Third, and if we're going to see these mission communities doing well, we're going to have to have four missional community pilot groups offered this year that you can, there should, by the way, if you get to the other side of this year and go, man, I just couldn't find a way to get connected, you weren't paying attention, okay? Because we're gonna tell you over and over again, first step is a welcome lunch, second step is become a part of the missional community pilot group, third is form a missional community that you start to live this life with. So just keep saying the same thing. So after a year, you say, man, I just had no way to get connected, that's it. So please don't miss it. Take advantage of it. And we want to provide good training and development through stuff like Sunday school, through coaching. We're going to provide a gospel fluency training event, which will be an all-day training on how to speak the gospel more effectively. We're going to provide a gospel saturation event to teach you how to be a disciple in everyday life. So we're going to provide a lot more training for you. And we're going to ensure that that every Sunday gathering We preach the gospel clearly from every text of Scripture, so that not only are you changed on a weekly basis, but you can know that if a non believer is with you and if you're in the room, if you're here, our hope is that you will be changed. That you will come to know how great Jesus is. And if I hope that you're hearing that, family. If you ever get done with a Sunday morning and you didn't hear Jesus preached, you have permission. It's your church. You have permission to come and talk to whoever spoke and say, Why wasn't Jesus clear? Okay, we're we're committed to do that. And then lastly, we're gonna provide three to four baptismal opportunities that I hope you will be in the water with somebody baptizing somebody this year. Wouldn't that be cool? So what will you own this year? What will you own? Over the next three weeks, I want you to ask that question. What will you own for your own discipleship? What will you own for the discipleship of others? Making disciples of Jesus who make disciples together in the everyday stuff of life. Let's pray. Father, what a great opportunity to be a part of your family. Jesus, you are the best king. You rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the beautiful kingdom of light and life so that we could bring light and life to the world. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us so that we are not left alone and we have everything we need to do the work you sent us to do. We ask that you'd help us to live fully into that this year. Show us what that means for each one of us. Help us each to own our part so that you might be glorified through our life and our church. In Jesus' name, amen.